0: Thank you so much for being with me right here, right now. This is honestly my 30th time filming this introduction because it means a lot to me and I'm scared of messing up, but I've decided that I'm going to just roll with it because I'm doing my best and that is perfectly good enough. Um, You are listening to the very first episode of the Plant Peace podcast. Here we're going to be reading chapter by chapter through my first and newest and latest book, (laughs) Plant Peace It is all about animal rights, activism, veganism, and how we can co-create a better, more peaceful planet for everyone, humans and non-human animals alike, through our everyday actions, the way we talk to others, the way we talk to ourselves, the products that we buy. um, There's a lot of ways, and we're going to go through them in this book. It also has all of the recipes from my former restaurant plant that I'm super excited to share with you, and this is going to be more than just like an audiobook podcast. I really want to communicate with you guys, so... You know, any questions that you have, please ask them to me, and I'm going to respond to them. Um, Any commentary that I just kind of think of while I'm reading, I'm going to say. I'm going to have this discussion with you guys and elaborate in ways that I maybe couldn't in the book. Um, I'm also going to be adding updated information as it comes out, researching some things that I didn't, you know, fit into the book that will be in the prequel, Plant Power, um, and really just... Adding in whatever feels necessary as it flows might invite in some um, guests to speak about topics that they are, um, you know, educated to speak on. And yeah, really just whatever happens. I think that there is a lot of potential with this podcast, so I'm really, really looking forward to starting which is why it's taken me so many shots to start so let's just let's go for it today for the first episode I'm going to be reading you through the note to reader the introduction and my journey to veganism I'm going to be posting an episode every either Friday or Saturday ish I am a busy person but this is a priority so uh, weekends you will get every you will get an episode of the podcast (laughs) so without further ado let's begin I'm excited. I'm going to keep this one. You have no idea how many of these I've deleted today. (laughs) Alrighty. Note to reader. Hello, love. (laughs) I would first like to thank you for picking up this book. It is the culmination of years of activism, investigation, scientific research, and spiritual growth. Throughout these pages, we will be exploring the reality of animal agriculture, the problems that have arisen as a result of humanity's actions, and the solutions we have available at hand. Here, I will share my personal experiences with these industries and the dreams I have for a new, peaceful world. I will also be offering my favorite plant-based recipes, many of which come directly from the restaurant I previously owned. As you read this, I encourage you to ponder creative solutions of your own, and I challenge you to bring these ideas to life. I also ask that you contemplate the following questions as we journey through this book together. How do you value life? What does your life mean to you? And how do you determine the value of life? The Introduction Plant began as a seedling of an idea, planted, watered, and nourished by the wonderful people around me. I moved to Fairfield, Iowa to attend Maharishi University of Management, now Maharishi International University, fresh out of high school. I was young, ambitious, excited, and halfway across the country from everything I'd ever known before. It was the definition of out of my comfort zone. I came to school ready to make an impact. Back home, I had established an animal rights group called Peace, promoting equality, acceptance, and compassion everywhere. I had organizers back home that intended to continue holding events, as I was to start a new branch here in Iowa. I quickly learned that the weekly street activism I was used to wouldn't be the most applicable in my new home. This was mostly because I felt afraid. I was used to being surrounded and supported by experienced vegan activists. Now I was deep in the heart of animal agriculture, and as far as I could tell, I was the only one with any training in this arena. I quickly made friends, many of whom were vegan or became vegan in the following weeks. I organized an event with some activists from out of town, and it was fairly successful. One thing that was abrasively clear to me, though, was that, besides those who had done this before, the newbies needed extensive training before we reached out to the public. Weekly peace meetings began, where I created PowerPoints about different animal agriculture industries and presented them to the group. Then, we discussed. Within this time period, I became restless. One day, I saw a transport truck full of pigs driving through town, and I decided to follow them. They led me straight into the depths of CAFO territory, which was a new term to me at this time. It stands for Concentrated Animal Feeding Operation, also known as a factory farm. It's the term the industries like to use because most people simply don't know what it stands for. Where I was on the road, there were miles of massive metal buildings holding tens of thousands of animals within these walls. That was the first day I saw the inside of one of these farms in real life. It was summer. The massive curtains that covered the fenced-in windows were open, allowing the cries of the pigs, the stench of their feces, and the sight of their suffering to be seen. I looked into the eyes of these animals, and I felt a part of me shatter. We did this to them. Unless someone rescued them from this facility, then this is where they would spend their entire life up until slaughter. That was if they were so unlucky to live that long. To my right was a sight I had never witnessed before. A dumpster full of rotting corpses. The conditions in these farms are absolutely horrific. So much so that many of the animals living in this confinement never make it out alive. I took pictures of those I could, printed them out, and showed up to a hearing in the courthouse 20 minutes later regarding the construction of a new mega CAFO near the town's main water source. Dozens of people flooded the courtroom, practically all of them opposing the facility. They cited numerous environmental issues and an increase in the disgusting stench that would often waft into town. All of these reasons were valid, but they just weren't why I was there. When I stood up, I brought up the perspective of the animals. I reminded people that the real victims of these facilities are those being forced to live and often die inside of them. All of the environmental effects are byproducts of an operation designed to be oppressive. The KFO ended up being built. Worse yet... The council we begged to deny the permit fast-tracked the operation. What's deeply unfortunate is that in a state like Iowa, where we have well over 10,000 registered CAFOs, Big Ag essentially owns the government. Massive financial contributions are made to politicians by CAFO harmers, which incentivizes them to approve whatever project they propose, no matter how much the public begs them not to. The night after my court hearing, my mind was racing. In one of these facilities I saw that day, there were well over a thousand individuals. I wanted to save them all. Unfortunately, that seemed quite impossible. A, because it's highly illegal, and if I was to get caught, I would most likely be charged with the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act and jailed indefinitely. B, because I don't have a car big enough to fit more than one full-grown pig, and that's a stretch. And C, because I would have nowhere to take that rescued animal. I, however, am not one to take no for an answer. That night, after a student government meeting, the idea emerged. What if we purchased the entire CAFO with the pigs inside, turned it into a sanctuary, and built an eco-village from the ground up on the surrounding land? We could liberate all of those inside destined to be someone's 60 seconds of pleasure, regenerate the land... And provide a peaceful home where we can all live in harmony with the earth, animals, and ourselves. This place would be called home. Home became my final project in the global solutions class I was participating in. And I dedicated everything to it. One major factor was money. I would need millions of dollars to start and complete this project, along with a community of people all motivated to do the same. In one of our peace meetings, we began discussing how we could possibly do this. Someone mentioned that we didn't have a vegan restaurant in town, and that that may be a good way to raise money, spread the vegan message, and build community. Within a month, I signed the lease, and that evolved into plant. Ambitious? Yeah. But I heard that a burger place was looking to rent it, and I wasn't going to let them take a location that appeared perfect to me at the time. The following months were filled with writing a business plan, figuring out recipes, solidifying the legalities, and all the other teeny tiny details that go into a restaurant. I, myself, had never even worked in a proper restaurant before. Unless you consider Domino's as a restaurant. (laughs) Um, So it was all quite new to me. After a year at MIU, I dropped out to work at Plant full-time. We began throwing raves to raise money before fully opening, which were absolutely iconic, if I do say so myself. Within a month of officially opening, we hosted Marianne Williamson to speak in our theater, who was running for president at the time, like of the United States of America. The beginning of Plant was filled with hard work, hours of planning, and not a lot of time at home. The idea of a restaurant had evolved into a community event center, theater, Kava Lounge, art gallery, and of course, a vegan restaurant. When we first opened, I had us open every day, every day, every day. I was I was crazy from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. most days. This schedule quickly proved fatal. And so we closed on Thursdays, which was when I had a mental breakdown and I was like, I can't work every day week. Anyways, <laughs> the many people that I hired quickly turned into a volunteer system due to my gross overestimation of how much cash flow would be coming in. And when the first wave of COVID-19 entered Iowa and we were ordered to do takeout only, I declared we would close for two weeks. In all honesty, COVID saved my sanity at the time. I remember reading the notification while in the bathroom, running out and yelling to my coworker and friend, Gio, Lock the doors! We're closed! We then sat in the cuddle corner and watched Netflix for hours. And yeah, we had a cuddle corner. We had, like, a mattress in the corner with a ton of big stuffed animals. And sometimes I would just take a nap or people would come and just just lay down, hang out. It was great. It was fantastic. Um Okay. <laughs> COVID-19 hit about 3 months after we fully opened, which significantly impacted our plans moving forward. For a while we offered carryout only, then eventually allowed people to dine in once again. The sketch Luna. Hi. Hello. I'm doing a podcast. Can you're into camera? Thanks. Thank you. I'll just keep going. This is okay. This is on theme. Um, for a while, we offered carry out only, then eventually allowed people to dine in once again. The schedule and our final months of operation were Friday through Sunday, since those were our busiest days. This also allowed me time to simply exist and also pursue my other passion, which is Reiki. My partner Justin and I are both energy healers, so on weekdays we held energy healing sessions and weekends were spent at plant. This schedule was much more livable compared to how I started in the beginning. However, Plant just wasn't what I imagined it would be. Many people warned me not to open a restaurant. They said that it has the lowest profit margins and it takes years to even make any money at all. I believed that Plant would be the exception and that we would thrive. Now that I've been paying rent out of pocket for well over a year and working tirelessly to lose a lot of money, I see what they were saying. Sometimes the heating was more than the rent. The place was huge. I absolutely love Plant. I love the people who come in and the meals that we serve and the community that supports us. I love the art on our walls and all the parties we've thrown, events we've hosted, and the living vision that we are. A conversation with my mom, however, highlighted the ways in which I was giving way too much of myself for this business. The second part of my vision has always been to travel to various eco-villages, sanctuaries, and organic farms around the world to learn from them. I want to know what works and what doesn't. I want to get my hands dirty and learn how to plant something that can feed my community. I want to learn basic animal care and the how to of owning a sanctuary. I want to gather this knowledge so that when the time comes to build with my community, I'll know what I'm doing. I want to experience the world while I still can. So I'm going to. In this life, we never really know how much time we have. Every moment is a gift. And I realized that while I love plant dearly, it was no longer life-affirming for me. Spending hours upon hours inside of a brick building devoid of sunlight was exhausting and consuming a majority of my mental space. I felt trapped, so I chose me, which is why I'm writing this book. As I write these words, it is March 17th of 2021. Plant closes almost exactly a month from now. Writing that feels weird, but it's the reality of the situation. I didn't want to simply leave the people I love empty-handed, so I offer you this book. It contains all of our recipes, as well as vegan resources and information on activism and animal agriculture. The next section of this book will be that. If you're wondering why I am vegan, or why this mission is important to me and many others, then I ask you to read on. I misplant a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. But I'm also very grateful for the freedom it provides me, both literally and financially. So, that's nice. Alrighty. My journey to veganism. What is veganism? Many people have different answers to this question. The definition we will be using, as stated by the Vegan Society, is as follows. Veganism is a philosophy and way of living which seeks to exclude, as far as is possible and practical, all forms of exploitation of, and cruelty to, animals for food, clothing, or any other purpose, and by extension, promotes the development and use of animal-free alternatives for the benefit of animals, humans, and the environment. In dietary terms, it denotes the practice of dispensing with all products derived wholly or partially from animals. I, like many of my fellow humans, was raised on a diet that consisted heavily of animal products. I was the self-proclaimed biggest meat eater in my family, actually. I ate steak at least once a week. At least. I ate it for breakfast. A lot. A lot. And loved bacon, chicken, ribs, and the whole allotment of dairy products. Simultaneously, since I watched the show Animal Cops, I wanted to rescue animals. I had dreams of being an animal cop, or a veterinarian, or a marine biologist, or of owning a sanctuary. (laughs) I adored every animal I met, despised hunting, and felt that I advocated for the proper treatment of animals. I was also so ignorant, I just really didn't know. Ironic, huh? (laughs) It quite frankly never crossed my mind that my diet was having a direct impact on the lives of animals in an abrasively harmful manner. My common excuse was, well, they're already dead, so it would be disrespectful not to eat them. I, of course, would never apply the same logic to our beloved pets at home, but felt it justified my meat intake. At this time, I was wholly unaware of the impact of the industries I was supporting each and every day. Throughout my life, I've also been overweight. My body type is modeled after my father. Tall, broad shoulders, muscular, and easily able to store fat. Since middle school, i had gone on multiple diets, cutting calories and carbs and sugar, but never meat. That literally never crossed my mind. Nothing ever seemed to stick. By the age of thirteen, a doctor informed me that I was prediabetic, had high bad blood cholesterol, had high bad cholesterol levels, and that the experiences I was having, where I would wake up feeling nauseous, lightheaded, and shaking, was due to hypoglycemia. Health-wise, I was a wreck. emotionally i was in the exact same boat one day when i was 16 i felt terribly ill for the next couple weeks the only thing my body was able to accept happily was smoothies and on occasion saltines it was a much needed cleanse and afterwards i felt significantly better something strange happened in that time period though my craving for meat disappeared i just didn't want it anymore I started loosely classifying myself as vegetarian, which I felt made sense due to my love for animals. I would occasionally have pepperoni on pizza when my boyfriend at the time ordered it, but for the most part, I was meat-free. I recall the last time I ate meat distinctly. It was after taking my brother to a youth group. (laughs) LOL. My blood sugar... (laughs) My blood sugar fell during the meeting, where I also grew very agitated at the pastor for telling the group of children that all sexual desire and acts were sinful before marriage. I was pissed and needed something to to ground me. There was an Applebee's near us, so we drove over and ordered. I got a steak and mashed potatoes because I felt like my body needed something nutritious. I probably took no more than three bites of it before swearing off meat for the rest of my life. I was disgusted. This hunk of flesh that once appealed to me greatly was now revolting. Turns out that the potatoes and side vegetables were all my n- body needed to stabilize, anyways. Several months passed of being casually vegetarian when summer rolled around. Every year, my family on my dad's side would go on a little vacation together for about one week. This year, we stayed at a lake house in Idaho. It was during this trip when I was scrolling through my Instagram and Liam Hemsworth posted a picture of the documentary, What the Health? i have been seeing it pop up in my recommended movies, so I was immediately interested. His caption said something like, if you care about the planet, your health, or animals, then watch this. If you don't, then you should still watch it. As someone who cares deeply about all of the above, I decided to give it a go. I basically live-streamed the entire movie on my Snapchat with my commentary because of how appalled I was. Everything I'd ever learned about health and nutrition was a lie it was no wonder my health had gone to such shit halfway through the film i made the decision to go vegan after it ended i rushed upstairs to my mother having just finished crying and declared that i was now vegan (laughs) she sort of shrugged it off and she assumed it was just another diet that i would do for a week flustered i returned to my room and watched the documentary again taking 19 pages of notes this time Then, I followed about a 100 vegans on Twitter. Within a month, my health shifted dramatically. I was no longer having hypoglycemic episodes, and I started naturally losing weight. I did quickly find vegan junk food, though, so the weight loss wasn't too significant. And I'm still working on it. Um, What was significant, however, was what happened internally. When I got my blood drawn, it showed that I was no longer pre-diabetic, and my cholesterol levels had left the danger zone. This made sense when you factor in that cholesterol is only found in animal products. Upon seeing the effects this lifestyle was having on me and my newfound passion for veganism, my mom decided to make the switch as well. Around that time, I began to feel uncomfortable with my passive lifestyle. I loved the diet I had adopted, however, I felt there was more I could be doing. Some of the people I had followed online shared footage from something they called a vigil, where they stood outside of a slaughterhouse and tried to give animals water and love before they were sent to slaughter. Something awakened inside of me upon seeing this, and suddenly I realized how much I wasn't doing. Yeah, I was no longer paying for these animals to be killed, but I wasn't doing anything to stop it. I quickly found a local group of activists, Portland Animal Safe, and contacted them. One of the organizers, and now dear friend Emily, informed me that they were having a vigil that Wednesday. I was distraught because I had class at that time period, and I couldn't ditch because I was responsible for driving two of my friends to class as well. We were all in something called Running Start, a program where you take college classes your last two years of high school, so we drove about a 25-minute commute together. I promised myself that I would go to the one occurring the following weekend, and that night engaged in a documentary called Earthlings. It shattered me. This film, which you can watch for free online at nationearth.com, and you should, clearly shows the reality and depth of the animal industries, ranging from animals raised for food, clothing, entertainment, companionship, racing, and and cosmetic testing. A majority of the information shown to me was completely new to my world, and it made me realize just how important taking action is. It is literally a life-or-death decision. The next day, I drove my friends to class and sat in the hard seat, listening to our teacher talk about human evolution and feeling a panic attack build. My attention wouldn't leave the clock. I watched the time get closer and closer to the start of the vigil, and I felt my guilt creep in for not being present. There were animals at this very moment being sent to slaughter. Their life would come to a brutal end that day, and I had the opportunity to at least show them a hint of compassion before they were murdered. When class ended i left i told my friends i would pick them up at the end of the day and i skipped my following classes driving quickly to the vigil i cried a lot during that hour drive there when i arrived i was met with a small group of activists holding signs on the side of an off-ramp i was informed that this is where most of the trucks headed to the nearby slaughterhouse come off the freeway and we're often stopped at the red light. This gave us a brief opportunity to film the animals inside of the trailer and give them a chance to be seen as more than a slab of meat. It wasn't easy. Looking at someone, knowing their life is about to be taken from them, and you can't do anything other than bear witness. But I believe that in order to change the system, it's necessary. We must bear witness to the atrocities our species is committing, before being able to revolutionize and liberate the oppressive system. We must recognize that there is a problem and truly understand its depth in order to create and facilitate a meaningful solution. That is the day I became an activist and truly understood what veganism meant. Before that day, I had one place I would cheat at. It was Olive Garden. I am a lover of fettuccine alfredo, and even though theirs was riddled with animal products, I felt that my occasional cheat wasn't doing any real harm. At this point, I still didn't really understand the dairy industry. However, after seeing truck after truck of spent dairy cows with painfully massive udders being sent to the slaughterhouse after their existence is deemed unprofitable, my actions finally aligned with my ethics. Veganism is about much more than simply eating plants, being healthy, and helping the environment. It's often all of those things, but its scope is much greater. Veganism is a liberatory lifestyle, one that aims to transform the violent system we operate within into one of peace. It focuses on abolishing all forms of slavery, that which is done unto non-human animals, humans, and the environment. The scope of harm that these animal exploitation industries have caused is enormous ranging from the obvious violence unto animals to the exploitation of workers, degradation of our earth, pollution of our waters, and deadly effects on our bodies. That is what we will be addressing next. But before we do, I would like to preface with an ounce of hope. We are all creators, and we have the potential and capability to make great impact on those we connect with and the planet we call home. We have the power to change lives, influence minds, love fiercely, and devote ourselves to causes we feel called to. For many of us, when we look at the state of the world, we see chaos. Sometimes I am overwhelmed by the immense amount of suffering I see. It happened quite a few times while writing this book, in fact. There will be many scientific estimates I will be mentioning in the following chapters that feel quite doomsdayy. y Truthfully, they can be. That, however, is only if we continue on this path. I believe that we are powerful beings. We have the power to love and to hate, to destroy and to create, to care for and to exploit, to help and to harm. We have the power of choice, and our choices are interconnected with those we share this conscious experience with. Our choices have a seemingly never-ending domino effect that can and do completely alter the timeline we are in alignment with. Quantum physics teaches us that infinite possibilities exist in every situation, some of which are predictable, while others transcend our wildest dreams. A future in which we plant billions of trees and tend to the earth, care for our fellow earthlings, and live in harmony with one another is within the realm of these possibilities. As is the timeline in which we nuke ourselves into oblivion, either with literal nuclear weapons or by continuing our harmful behaviors and passive patterns that essentially require our planet to abort us. The latter is receiving a mass amount of attention currently, but I worry that this is a dangerous form of mass manifestation. I, for one, am actively choosing to live in the former reality. I believe in us. One person has an insurmountably large impact. We affect each and every being we come into contact with. The scope and scale of that effect depends greatly on the depth of that interaction. Think about that one person you know who just seems to be a beaming ray of sunshine. When you're around them, you almost can't help but to be happy. Their energy is contagious, infectious, even. Imagine if we all radiated that kind of love. Imagine if hope spread faster than any virus ever could. What would that look like? A world where we support one another and achieve our goals. A world where we care for our neighbors, including our non-human ones. A world where most people hug trees and kiss the ground with their bare feet. A world where healthcare is holistic and our diets are filled with the colors of the rainbow that grow freely on our beautiful earth. A world where we are warm to those we have never met and welcome them into our hearts excitedly. A world of true peace and boundless prosperity. This world is possible. Would you like to see it come to life? I would love to build this world with you. In order to do so, I feel that we are in need of a comprehensive understanding of the state of the world now and the areas that are in desperate need of loving transformation. This next section of the book will be overlooking the effects our actions have on the lives of trillions of animals around the globe, some of which may be in your backyard. I do not intend to frighten you with this information, but to inform you so that as we move forward, we can do so with a clear goal and mutual understanding of why certain changes are necessary in order to actualize this vision of world peace. I ask you to be present and reflect on what I'm about to share with you. Do further research into what you feel called to and ask questions. Write them down. Ponder the knowledge shared and inquire within yourself if you are a willing or unwilling participant of some of these topics discussed and what you can do about it. Please, keep an open mind and hopeful heart as we dive in. We will be creating solutions once we truly understand the problem at hand. Thank you for your presence. And thank you for your presence. Next week, we're going to be discussing speciesism and the fishing industry. I hope to see you then. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode. I am really looking forward to continue learning and growing and evolving and hoping with you. Hoping and dreaming for a really peaceful planet. A truly, genuinely peaceful planet. It's really all I want to like sit in a little eco village and just like read a book in the sunshine and not have to worry about ecological collapse. <laughs> That's the dream, right? Well. I hope that you can dream with me. Thank you so much for being here. I know I've already said that, but genuinely, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah. I love you. Catch you next week.